Okay, we're going to be doing our part two message today from Genesis chapter 41. And the message was titled, From Prison to Power. Now this is the part two session where we're going to be going from Genesis uh, uh, verses 37 we're going to be starting in today. Uh, this was a long chapter, which is why it was uh, done in a twofold. But it was it was a perfect message to be cut in half. Because from verses uh, from verses 1 to 36, we were able to cover what had happened with Pharaoh this time. Pharaoh started having dreams. He started having strange dreams that he couldn't interpret, that he, he couldn't explain. And it happened twice to him as he fell asleep and was awoken by this strange dream that he was having of the vision of cows, seven cows coming out of the, uh, of the river and then... And then um, other cows coming out and eating the other ones. And then shortly afterwards, he had visions of wheat head and so on and so forth, of wheat uh, being grown and the heads of the wheat and so on and so forth. And he had no idea what was going on. And, and he was trying to utilize the interpretation from his so-called wise men, from, from their, their form of magi, if you will, interpreters. And nobody, nobody could interpret what it was that he was dreaming about. Magicians, and these are the things that, that Pharaoh had at the time, were, were these wise people to, to try to interpret things and so on and so forth. Just as Israel had prophets, well, Egypt had their uh, form of uh, false prophets at the time. Paganistic um, interpretations. And, and so, at the time when Joseph was in prison with the butler who was released. See, Joseph was in prison with a butler who was Pharaoh's cupbearer. And the cupbearer had a dream too. And Joseph was able to interpret the dream for him. And it came true. But Joseph, for Joseph, unfortunately, the butler forgot about him when he asked if he could say a good word about him. The butler forgot, but a couple of years had gone by and then he heard about Pharaoh's dreams and then it hit this butler and the butler said, oh, wait a minute. I was in prison with this Hebrew man who was able to interpret these dreams. And so from there, Pharaoh's interest kind of came into, uh, came into play here. It was like, well, i got to meet this guy. Since nobody else can interpret what's going on, I have to meet him. See, again, just to kind of catch us up on the story, Joseph had been in prison for a while because of a false accusation from his old master, his master's wife, Potiphar, whose, whose wife tried to accuse him of taking advantage of her. So Joseph was put in prison due to a lie. And it's interesting from time to time to have seen stories from people and it's been far and few, but there has been cases where there were people who were innocent in our day and age that I've witnessed who were, who were innocent of a crime, but spent years in prison under false accusations for whatever reason or however it happened. It turned out that the proof had come out later that they were innocent, but they had to spend the years in prison and serve time for something they didn't commit. And when they were released... Some of them got some sort of care package, if you will, but it wasn't really anything that was uh, worth the time. They were pardoned. Uh, their, their record was slated clean, but i got to tell you, what Joseph gets here from God is, is a total different story. A much higher blessing. 
because Joseph was innocent. Innocent of the things that, that Potiphar's wife claimed. And it's going to be an interesting turn of events because Joseph had spent some time in, in prison and we don't know because the chapters didn't give us a specific time. But we're going to kind of dive in here and we're going to take a look at what, at what God does through Pharaoh because after a while, God now uses the dreams to get Pharaoh's attention. Dreams seem to be something that Joseph uh, knew well because it was through dreams that he was given that he was able to uh, to tell his brothers about what was going on and they didn't like what they heard. But again, God spoke to Joseph through dreams. And that was his way of interpretation to him. And Joseph was able to interpret the dreams of others as a form of a gift from God as almost like that of a prophet. So we're going to go ahead and go into Genesis chapter 41. And we're going to be looking at verses 37 to 40 to start us off. So it says, So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this man in whom the Spirit of God... And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and as wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. So for some time, I had been speaking about Joseph. I had been reminding of the blessings to come in Joseph's trial-tested life. And after all this info was given to Pharaoh, you know, I'm sure Joseph's initial thought was, can I just be released from prison? That's all. But you see, God is the gift that keeps on giving. He went from prison to power. Pharaoh, who was obviously a polytheistic believer of multiple deities, recognized Joseph as a blessed man of God, the one and the only God. And, and it's amazing that Pharaoh knew of God, and, and also previous pharaohs did during the times of Abraham. They, they knew God, his power, his abilities, and more so his existence. But the interesting thing was God was not worshipped. So God used Joseph to remind Pharaoh and Egypt that he does exist and he is real. And we may not be able to interpret dreams or prophesy, but the, the, the Spirit of God can be seen through us in our demeanors. Uh, whether it be the kindness we show, the wisdom of God through advice that we give. See, it started with Joseph in prison. He wakes in the morning, and here's what happened. is He woke up in the morning and he sees the butler and the baker were looking down. They were depressed. And what Joseph did was showed concern to these guys, and that was the first thing he did. The second thing he did was interpret their dreams. But initially, it was his concern first that was the root of how the butler spoke of him and what he did to get to this point. Joseph's experience was quite a, a blessed, diverse experience from slave to prisoner to now ruler. And most of all, what Pharaoh said is what got him to, uh, to this place. One is this man in whom is the Spirit of God. That was it right there. That was the key. Again, to, to repeat myself, it was, it was the, this man in whom is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God who dwells in Joseph and dwells in all people who receive him and walk closely to him. 
You know, there was no other way Joseph could have survived all of this without God. God has done amazing things for those in the Bible. And where we've seen those who had the Spirit of God, you know, why? Why is that? Because he's, let's face it, he's crazy about us, right? He's crazy about the people that he created. He loves everyone. And he, he, just, he just wants to bless beyond measure. But sometimes we just don't see it because of the, the circumstances. But because, you know, us like Joseph wanted to be with God, that was the key. He just, he just so pleased, he was just so pleased by that, you know. God was so pleased by, by Joseph just wanting to be with God. Now, do you enjoy knowing that somebody wants to, to be with you all the time in truth? Your own children, perhaps, or whoever it might be. Would, wouldn't that, Make you feel good knowing that somebody wants to be with you all the time because they just love you that much. And if, if, you, if you have experienced that, or maybe you long to experience that, if you haven't already, if so, you have an idea about God now a little more. He's the only one that doesn't get tired of hearing from somebody on numerous occasions during a day. He never gets tired of somebody wanting to be with them, uh, with him all the time. He desires that. Us in our human nature, we we want more of our alone time. You see, God is the opposite of us. He is perfect in all ways. And so, what he does here for Joseph is absolutely amazing. As we continue in verses forty-one through forty-five. And it says, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him with garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow to the knee. So he set him all over the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zephnath paneah And he gave him as a wife, Asenath, the daughter of Padai Pharaoh, priest of On. So Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Joseph had to have been in shock here. That not only was he being released, but that he would be in charge of Egypt of all things. You know, Pharaoh giving, giving him his signet ring was like uh, passing his identity to Joseph. Those rings were used as like signature rings for stamping your initials on, on something of approval or uh, for important issues, which Joseph was now in charge of. Only God can do something so miraculous. You know, most Pharaohs would have never done such thing, right? Especially the people who were not Egyptian. But we see that he made Joseph like an official Egyptian with the, with the looks on, uh, on the clothing and the jewelry. You know, and then he's riding on a chariot, a chariot, which was actually a very big deal, as he rode uh, by civilians who bowed down in recognition of his position. He, he even gave him an Egyptian name, which was more of a title. Uh, in the Coptic language of Egypt, it was like, um, uh, his name was meaning of like a revealer. And uh, as I said, almost like what would be a prophet. But his new Egyptian name that he said was, it was translated as revealer. He gets a new life. A new life. The hardest thing for us on our human side is enduring time. 
And when Joseph was put in prison, we did not see a release date put anywhere. Okay, because most on trial are sentenced to a time. Yeah, some are released early on good behavior. That's what we know of. But there was nothing showing that for Joseph. See, what's amazing in all of this was even though Joseph was innocent of a crime, Pharaoh didn't know that. He probably had no clue of Joseph and what happened. He didn't know that, that, that Joseph was innocent of a crime. But by divine intervening, we see what we're seeing here. Blessings beyond measure. And I'm a big fan. I've always loved stories of deliverance and victorious things in people's lives, whether it be my own experiences or that of others. It's always a joy to hear God's graces and provisions on people's lives. Uh, not long ago, I was watching the local news as a man was being released from prison. And he was being united with his family. Uh, he was being interviewed, and, and he had been in for a while. And I'm not sure of why he was in there, though. But during the interview, he made known that he had found the Lord in there. And he was as peaceful as can be in his demeanor. And was looking forward to the new beginnings that God had in store for him. And then they videoed him being driven off, and, and it reminded me of Joseph. His chariot escort to his new beginnings. And, and it actually keeps getting better as we continue to read on. In verses 46 to 49. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Now in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly... So he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities and he laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting for it was immeasurable. So we see Joseph is now at the age of 30. So he had spent some time in prison. Um, I, I'd imagine most would have felt forgotten, I'm sure, after so much time. But again, God's plan was revealed on his time versus what Joseph's would have been on time. And again, in comparison to the life of Jesus as Joseph was compared to in certain similarities, and in the case here was his age as well, as we've been looking at some uh, similar comparisons to the life of Christ and that of Joseph in the Old Testament. As Christ was also 30 years old when he was revealed in the start of his ministry. As Joseph went through all, uh, he went throughout all the land of Egypt. Christ went through all around Israel as well as the neighboring countries that would be known as Gentile regions. Which would be like Egypt. But at, at this time as Joseph was put in charge, Egypt had a very flourishing agriculture. Uh, within a seven year period that land was good for growth. Now, by God's uh, uh, design of that in the book of Leviticus, God commanded that uh, when farming the land, do it for six years. As, as he was speaking to those in Israel uh, later on, he, he commanded that you could go ahead and farm the land for six years, and on the seventh year, do not touch it, let it rest, which was known as the, uh, the time of Jubilee. Because during that time off, it would flourish the following year in crop growth. Why? Because it replenished the soil. By not continuing to grow and, and, and to, uh, to till the soil, it allowed that soil to rest 
And, and yes, uh, some weeds would probably grow on it, but eventually the, woods would cu- or the weeds would cultivate that uh, soil and allow it to replenish. And then afterwards, they could retill the soil, and, and they had multiple great crop growth, especially in Israel. It still does. But though they don't practice that anymore, this was a command from God known as the, the, the land of rest during the time of Jubilee. Now, we don't know if they were doing this in Egypt, but God allowed a multiple abundant of agricultural growth there at the time. But whether or not it was a, whether or not it was a practice in ancient Egypt, it was God allowance. It was God allowing them to have that. And who, who would guess that a country that is actually majority of desert land could grow wheat in, in amounts that was uncountable? That's only God right there. See, Joseph's presence in the land, I'm sure, was a blessing. That the people of Egypt had no clue who was now calling the shots, had such a spiritual connection to God, who was the reason for the abundant growth. Many know that at a point in Egypt, though, uh, that this would not last, though, the flourishing in agriculture, uh, economically over a period of years as well. See, it really puts into perspective on relying on God, right? For all the things, whether it be on a personal level, level or, as, um, or on a national level, God controls the weather that provides the rain, the snow, the sun, and therefore causes the growth of the crops. So may we be seeking God in provisions in our lands and give Him the thanks and the glory for the providing. I look at my home state of California. Uh, my home state of California was suffering some droughts for a long time. But as of recently, God provided a, a large amount of rain, putting the drought to an end. Which actually turned out to be an answer not just to my prayers, uh, but to prayers of many others as well. You know, California is considered the number one crop producing state in the United States. So people forget about that. And California was suffering through a drought for a long time, but all of a sudden it really rained up. When I went back there to visit, I was absolutely amazed on how green everything was, and I continue to pray for consistency. And may we, and may we all pray for that over our lands. Because again, God is in control. God is the one utilizing what it is that we need. God was doing that through, through in Egypt and, and by Joseph's presence. They were blessed. And, and Joseph too was blessed as well. As we're going to continue to read as we carry on through Genesis, we're actually getting close to the end of Genesis here pretty soon. And so the rest of it has to do with Joseph. And what a wonderful story it is. As we continue in verses 50 to 57, which will, which will put us towards the end. And to Joseph were born two sons. Before the years of famine came, whom Ashenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God had made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Then the seven years of plenty which were in the land of Egypt ended, and the seven years of famine began to come. As Joseph had said, the famine was in, was in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, 
Then Pharaoh said to the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, do. The famine was all over the, uh, all over the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, and the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all the lands. So again, what a blessing to read this point to the story of Joseph uh, who was released and given a new position of governing and most of all, God blessed him with a family now. You know, giving his first son Manasseh, which means forgetfulness. Uh, it was given to him for, for the sake of forgetting his time in prison. And then Ephraim, which means fruitful, as what Joseph became in the land of Egypt at that time. God took away all of his thoughts of the past, of hurt and betrayal, false accusations. And we're not sure if Potiphar's wife, who was the reason why Joseph was put in prison due to a blatant lie, if she was alive at this time, we're not sure. But I'm sure if she was, the look on her face would have been priceless to see Joseph riding on that chariot as second in command of all of Egypt, who would have been in command of both her and Potiphar if they were still alive. So I hope you will follow and continue to follow in the next chapters as the hand of God is what is what's going to be on Joseph's life here. And may we as Joseph did look look to the things which are eternal and not the things of temporary. Is that is what is our hope, right? The thing which would excite us the the most that we would have a place in eternity in heaven which the crazy things in this world will not take place one day anymore. We read about Joseph's triumphant entry. Well, the triumphant entry into heaven will be far more greater, and the reception of those there will be far more pleased to see us as well that we made it. I love what Luke chapter 15 verse 7 says, that I tell you, from the words of Christ himself, that I tell you that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. And, and so how true that is. And we will look at the life of Joseph and what an example he led. That he led for, for us to see here. Because again, when I look at faith and I look at the things of, of life, it, it seems very common that people are, are most faithful when things are really going well. And then there's also those who, who tend to be very faithful when things are going horrible. And then we can become laxed when things are, when things are just even keel. You know, I think the true measure of faith is to continue to love God no matter what happens. And, and that's how we're tested sometimes. How much will we love God when things really start to happen to us? Joseph was really good with showing us persistent faith. Persistent love, you know. He didn't, he didn't, seem, to, he didn't seem to have any change in his demeanor that we could see scripturally. God was faithful to him. God's faithful to those who still showed a change in demeanor. I could tell you that much. I could tell you from personal experience. Not even myself is always the most faithful. I don't like to be a preacher of, of those of little faith, you know, because people do that constantly. 
Where's your faith at? Oh, you have little faith. You know, you should have more faith until something happens to them and then you kind of want to watch and observe. I don't ever want to be that way. I want to be able to to be in complete reliance on the Lord. But also to have learned the lesson to be completely following still regardless of what should happen. And that's what Joseph did. And as always, with the Word of God comes the opportunity to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. You know, I, I mentioned before that being a Christian does not mean that you will that you will not have problems, but now you'll have the problem solver living in you. You know, as Joseph was as Joseph became a wonderful leader, Christ was the greatest leader that we could ever have, still being followed after all these two thousand years after his death. And when I look at leadership, when from the term of how Joseph was put in leadership and especially that of Christ. And I look at the word leader, and we could look at it from even though the Bible, the Old Testament, was written in Hebrew. I'm looking at the word leader in a Greek sense, which is translated as one who would be like standing on the bow of a ship, looking ahead to see what is ahead to make sure that the course is being stayed on right. And that in the Greek sense is what describes a leader. One who is standing, kind of looking out above... And, and making sure that the direction is being made right. Well, I want to make sure that we together follow the greatest leader that ever lived and continues to live eternally, watching over us daily. Christ Jesus. I, I'm yet to meet someone who doesn't like gifts. So what I say is how about receiving the best gift of all? And that gift of of that of eternal life through Christ Jesus. Because he says that nobody could get through the Father except through me. And that was through his words himself. And as a Bible teacher, I'm here to be an advocate of those things as I believe it, as I teach it, and and most even more so live it. So with that comes the opportunity. I want to make sure... That as you hear the word of God, that, that as, you, as you receive the word of God, that, that you also believe in him and receive him as Lord and Savior. So if you want to spend your life in heaven, your eternity in heaven when your time is up, there's one simple way to do so, and that is through receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then after that, the course must be stayed in his word through prayer. May you, may you follow Him. May you, may you be a part of Him. And not just say the prayer and, and, and leave it alone because you will not grow that way. So at this point, I want to give you the opportunity now to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. If you want to repeat this prayer after me, Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask of you, Lord, to cleanse me of all of my sins. As Lord, as I receive you in my heart, Lord. As Lord and Savior. And Father, I want to thank you for having me, Lord. As Lord, as I now receive you. Father, I love you. I praise you. And I receive you now as my Lord, my God and Savior. In Jesus' precious name I pray. 
Amen. Well, the most important things we can do in life is that first and foremost. Because when it's all said and done, it's going to be with Him for all eternity. For our time here on earth is very short. So I want to make sure again that you know Him as best as possible. And may we together continue through His Word. And may we continue in prayer. And to continue to walk with Him together at all times. May God bless you.